Hey pod people, I'm Benjamin Alaco. And I'm Carrie. And this is The Last, Last Year's Horror Pandemic Palooza Special. Wah, wah, wah. That's right. In the time of the coronavirus, we wanted to give you a little something special that we haven't done before. I mean, we want to make sure that, you know, while you're worried about your TP and That's you right. know, you're you're keeping your neighbors six feet away from you at all times and I, I do like um the memes. Are, are just getting better. Um, That's true. And uh, I did see that some of the um, essential services are fighting back. Like uh, Price Trapper had a sign that they weren't going to take um, returns on TP, and like they listed a whole bunch Ew, of other stuff. What? Who's trying to return no, TP? Like, like unopened things of TP oh, after this is over because gotcha. they're trying to keep people from like buying all the excess of stuff. Right. And they had like a whole list, and I don't know if it's true, but I hope it is. It looked amazing. Yeah, that's smart, you guys. Leave some TP for other people. It's it's gonna be fine. We'll just. Stay home, have a cup of tea, and wait for all this to blow over. That's right. So uh, on this episode, we are doing things a little bit different. Because this is, if you couldn't hear it in our shouted opening, this is the last year's horror pandemic palooza special. So first of all, we don't have a guest this episode. It's just me and Carrie. That's right. And second, we're not talking about a movie that came out last year, but we're tackling a classic movie about a pandemic of sorts and one of my personal all-time favorite horror movies. The movie is 28 Days Later. After the movie, we're also going to answer some questions that you submitted via social media. Uh, so big thank you to those who participated and sent us questions. And the music. If it's not this year's, it must be last year's horror. Horror. It was a horrible year, but have no fear, it's just horror that we're talking about. Cause if it's not this year's, it must be last year's horror. Horror. And if it is this year's, we'll talk about it next year on last year's horror. And we're back. One thing before we start, this episode will contain heavy spoilers, but we're going to skip the spoiler-free reviews and just say 28 Days Later came out in 2003. If you haven't seen it, what the fuck? Uh, stop this episode right now and go watch it. It's on Hulu. It's your civic duty and the responsible thing to do. So a couple facts, or as in one fact, it was written by Alex Garland and directed by Danny Boyle. That's two facts. I guess. <laughs> It stars Killian Murphy, Naomi Harris, Megan Burns, and Brendan Gleeson, among others, as a bigger cast in the second half of the movie. And since we're switching things up in this episode, we're just going to start with our final two questions. The first is, was this movie scary? Uh, yes. I would say it's scary, not the traditional, like, jump out of your pants scary. It's more of like a, like a, a mental scary I think it's both. I mean, I think that... It, I guess I did jump once. Yeah, like, there, there's some jump scares in this, but they, the nice thing about it is that I don't think the jump scares feel cheap. I feel like they feel true to the nature of the way that the the infected in this movie just come out at you That's out true. of nowhere. That's like, true. That would be real if you were living in this world. Yeah, it's very realistic, and in that sense, it makes it scary. Yeah, like, there's a the part in uh, when they're in Jim's house, and the infected the two infected just jump right through the window and that's a moment where if you haven't seen the movie that is a scary moment i've seen this movie so many times that it doesn't do anything for me but you know i think that's a that would qualify for me as a jump scare 
Yeah, that that was a jump scare. I think I jumped at that part. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's not one of those that, again, it, it's not the type of movie that scares you in the way that you lie in bed at night and you're worried that, you know, the, what's that shadow in the corner? But I think that the movie itself is disturbing because of how graphic the violence is. And I think it does have enough of those kind of jump scares that it keeps you tense throughout. Right. And I think also in like the time we're living in right now, it's scary because um, it shows that things can kind of happen this way. Um, I actually I don't usually read the IMDb page prior to us recording because I don't want it to affect any of my opinions. But um, one of the things I did find interesting is that the they de- the writer and director, they decided to base the symptoms of rage off of is it a Ebola. Ebola. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why I freaked out over saying (laughs) Ebola. (laughs) And um, they also felt um, they didn't they thought that the notion of living dead, eating people's brains was outdated, Mm. Um, especially because now um, there's like nuclear power and that's a big fear and its effect on people. But then modern society, one of its biggest fears is disease. Right. And viral apocalypse. And that's what's happening now. And I think that ties nicely into what the second question is that we always ask about these movies, which is, does this movie have lasting appeal? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that what you just read shows that 100% this this movie came out in 2003. It's almost 20 years later. And I think this movie holds up extremely well. Yes. It has kind of lodged itself in our collective psyche, I think. For a long time, it was like what you talked about when you talked about zombie movies that kind of reignited the zombie fervor. Yeah. But now I think we're talking about it right now in this whole other way to talk about movies about disease, about pandemics, about the fear of infection. Then there's also a bunch of ones that are like top on Netflix right now, like Contagion (laughs) and all of these that are just kind of like this. Yeah. Where it's it's what makes it scary isn't necessarily the metaphor. It's the sheer pandemic. Like it. Yeah. It's just the like what could happen. It like show it. It's those types of movies where they ask you, what would you do in this situation? And I think I just think that psychologically, those types of stories are very useful in moments like this, in moments of crisis, because even though they can be disturbing, this movie is crazy disturbing. It's also escapism. Yes. And I think it's to me, Carrie, am I talking out my ass if I say I feel like horror, like we're seeing why horror is popular, like why... People, I don't think people watch, I think it's a misconception that people watch horror to be scared. I don't think that's why people watch horror. Yeah, that's most not people, why I, I watch know it. people, like, they don't say to be scared. Yeah, it, it helps us, I think it helps us work through things. And I think that's what these types of movies, and, and the movies that you mentioned, Outbreak and Contagion, they help us just with ideas, even if they don't tell you how to act because they tend to be kind of fantastical in their approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they help you psychologically work through an idea that, through metaphor, can help you digest something that otherwise might be too horrifying to look at or think about. Right. And I think in that sense, that's also why a lot of people like like true crime. 
Yeah. Because it's like the what well, if. That's why I don't like crew trying. <laughs> true crime. Crew trying. <laughs> crew trying, guys. That's why I don't like true crime because it's, it's too, too real. real for me. Because yeah. I, I look at those stories and I'm like, this really happened. A lot of the time the person's caught, but sometimes they're not. And I just, it doesn't, it just makes me feel worse about the world. Okay. Well, we won't go there. We'll stick in our little horror bubble right now. <laughs> we, I, I, I'm okay talking about true crime, but I have kind of like a, I can't control it. There's like a defense mechanism. Like sometimes, so, okay. So Carrie watches a lot of true crime and reads it and <laughs> listens to it. True crime junkie and <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> And sometimes I'll sit in and like watch something that is on TV and I'll get hooked, but I can't go back to it on my own. It's the kind of thing if if someone else is watching it, I'll watch it and be like, oh, what happened? But yeah, it's just too real to me. And then I think about something like this. Some of us are really morbid fucks and we just (laughs) want to know. Well, you know, I'm morbid. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like it's, it's a different kind of anxiety I don't know. It's 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 different. And I feel like, too, like there gets a point where I watch too much true crime and I do start to scare myself, right. like turning off the lights and I like run to bed. Like, yeah. Yeah, so, that has definitely happened a few times. <laughs> it does happen. I, I don't know. I think we're getting too sidetracked, though. I, <laughs> well, I think it's all on the similar topic of why do we like these horrific things? And I think that one of the things that I love about this particular movie is the sense of realism that it has. Yeah, it's very realistic. Minus the fact that there's still a lot of TP everywhere we did, <laughs> and they didn't seem to need TP. But we, we were watching this through the eyes of this coronavirus stuff. And uh, we, we both kept being like, where's their uh, stockpile of toilet paper? Yeah. Where is it, guys? This, I guess this movie I guess, doesn't even know. I guess once the, the the water sewage and all that goes down, you're just like, fuck it. I don't need TP. I'll just <laughs> air dry. Oh, man. Yeah, they got dirty buttholes in this movie. Imagine how smelly they are, though, too, because they can't really shower. I did notice that uh, Selena, her hair is excellent throughout the movie. She does wear a scarf around it a lot. Yeah, I guess that's true. But yeah, she does have, they all have really good, clean, not greasy hair. Yeah. But that's the magic of movies. Yeah, that's, it, it is a movie. There are things that if we wanted to nitpick, I think we could, but... Um, I think that to to kind of just get into some of the things that I love about this movie, I actually used this movie once as a screenwriting lesson to talk about characterization and character arcs. And I think that this movie is a masterclass in how to tell a protagonist's character arc. I'm just going to let you go. <laughs> well, I don't want to, I don't want to mansplain to people. Do you want to talk about it, though? I do. Well, go for it. Okay, so what happens in a character arc is that the first thing you have to do is show that characters, what you'd call an, their initial characterization, or that's how I think of it, is how they are or how they seem at first glance. So this movie does this really well when Jim wakes up in the hospital. He's overwhelmed. He's pretty helpless. He's wandering I around. Mean, he's physically naked. Yeah. That's like the definition of helpless. Physically. And hooked up to machines. And then even when he does get clothes, he's just wearing the hospital scrubs. And he's got just a bag of uh, soft drinks. 
And so, then some dollar dollar bill, y'all. So he's walking around completely oblivious and he doesn't know what's happening in the world. And he walks into this church and he barely gets out. Mm-hmm. And this is where Selena and uh, what's his name? Mark intercept him and they, they save his life. Yes. So we see right off the bat that at the start of this movie, Jim is just helpless. He's also very sentimental. Mm-hmm. He has to go to his parents' house, even though that he knows it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so right away, we also see that Selena is the complete opposite, where she's this hardened individual. She essentially doesn't have hope for the future or for anybody, for herself either. Question. It's all about survival. Question. Yes. Which of these characters would you be? Oh, boy. I don't know, honestly. I think we all have a fantasy of who we would be more like. Some of those memes, they uh, show like uh, people in super badass, like post-apocalyptic clothing. And then they're like in yeah. real life and then it's pajamas. Yeah. So. See, that's exactly it. I think everyone would want to be Selena, but I think we'd be a lot more like Jim. Yeah, I think so, too. That's why I was wondering. So that's my answer is I'd love to say Selena, but I don't think so. Probably but even like she's not really as hard ass as she pretends to be. So that's it, right? So when we first see her, she seems to be this hardened person, but... As the movie progresses, what's ultimately happening, I'm not I'm going to keep this short so that we can get into some other things here too. But what this movie actually does and it does it extremely well is you show that person's initial characterization and then through a series of essentially challenges to that initial characterization, you start to allow that character to change or their true character to start to come through. And by the end of the movie, you essentially answer what's called the dramatic question for that character. So if we were going to try to break this down, Jim's dramatic question is kind of like, is he going to rise to the challenge of living in this world where shit is dangerous and you can't just be sentimental? So is he going to be tough or is he going to be weak throughout? And is he just going to die? Right. I think that's his dramatic question. And then for Selena, the the dramatic question is, and this is actually stated throughout the movie. So once you kind of pick up on it, it does feel a little bit on the nose, but I think it's it's natural to the characters where she basically says it doesn't get any better than survival. I can't remember the exact line right now. She said, oh, wait, I wrote it down. Hold on. Oh, wait, I got it. Staying alive is as good as it gets. Yes. Later on in the movie, she says it's all fucked. Uh, so she has no hope for the future and she doesn't believe that there's anything more than surviving. So her dramatic question would be, is Selena going to find hope? Is she going to believe that that surviving is not as good as it gets. And so I'll pick out one test that you see from Jim that tests his initial characterization. And it's really obvious, but it's right around the midpoint of the film. It's where he goes into the gas station by himself. Mm-hmm. Throughout, again, he's... It's, nothing has really changed with him. He, we saw him really weak on the stairs and he's like calling for Selena. So again, reinforcing this guy is not doing well no. in that moment. And then fast forward to the gas station. He's a little bit more comfortable. He's got a baseball bat. He's like, I'm going to go check this place out. I don't fucking care. He goes in and kind of knowing that this is a really bad idea. I think he's trying to test himself too to see if he's got what it takes. And this little kid comes out and attacks him. And he really steps on the kid, holds him down and kills him with a baseball bat. Correct. So he's starting to answer his dramatic question, but we haven't got to the ultimate climax of the movie where he really answers the question. But we're starting to see, it seems like, okay, maybe this guy can survive. Right. But the tests 
the tests get more and more intense and that ultimately leads to the climax. Correct. But I would also say too that it still like has to do with the old him because he's like in love with these people. Like he considers yeah. them family and so his sentiment is what kind of also makes him do what he does. And same for right. the rest of them. Like Selena does loosen up on her hardness. She kind of feels feelings for these people. Yep. And it also affects her. So Yeah, she even says in a right around that midpoint, she says, I was wrong, essentially. Good uh surviving is not as good as it gets. Right. So but like Carrie said, I think what's really important with this sort of dramatic uh arc or character arc stuff is that if you swing just so far to the other side you you risk flattening the characters out into just caricatures and that would be bad so they do still have their initial characterization of you know jim is still sentimental he still feels that you know you should care about family you should care about people around you but now he's he's got this toughness in him and Selena is still a badass. She can mm-hmm. still take care of herself, mm-hmm. but she has compromised to the point that she can be a person and she can be happy. Mm-hmm. So in the climax of the movie, what ultimately happens is Jim definitely answers his dramatic question when he gouges out the eyes of the character. I think his name is Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sticks his thumb. It's like this this franchise. It's There's only two movies, but franchises... Uh, Finishing move, special move, people gouging people's eyes out. It's in both move, both this and uh, 28 weeks later. But so he answers his question. Yeah, he can rise to the challenge. I would say yes. Yeah. And Selena also in uh, in those scenes, like she's sort of already come uh, through her arc because she's Jim is really the main protagonist. But I would say she's also a protagonist, but kind yeah. of a more minor protagonist. So she's mostly answered her question, but now she has, it seems like she's lost hope. So we see her dramatic question fully answered in the very last moments of the film when she is in the house with them mm-hmm. and they're all together and, you know, they, they lay out the sheets that say hello for the Yeah, the, the ending. Plane. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hey again, pod people. It's me from the future. I was editing this podcast and listening to it back and realized I made a critical error in my discussion of Selena's dramatic question and her arc. So there is actually a very clear moment during the climax when Selena answers her dramatic question. And it's right after the guy gets squished and Jim comes at her. And well, we know that Jim is not infected but selena doesn't he very clearly could be and so we actually get that line back after he steps in and she doesn't kill him that it was longer than a heartbeat so clearly she cares so much about jim that she hesitated and she didn't kill him and if he was infected she would have died right there so it's actually a really important moment and uh i'm sorry that i forgot it and i hope that you forgive me okay uh let's get back to the show yeah Yeah, so that's a real quick snapshot of one of the reasons that I love this movie is the, again, characterization, character arc, every all the elements. It's so emotional. Mm-hmm. I think because we're so, I get so invested in these characters. They feel so real. They're multidimensional. And I'm so happy when 
they answer their dramatic questions and, and they're going to be okay. Yes. They're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. So I just talked for a really long time. Carrie, I know that this movie kind of is special to me. So you may not feel as strongly as I do. Uh, I talk about this movie all the time. But uh, what do you think were some of your takeaways rewatching it this time? So I, I do I, I do really like this movie. Don't worry. Yes. <laughs> um, I worry sometimes. It, it's a good movie. It's definitely uh, worth watching or rewatching. Um, so one of, I, I noticed a couple of things. Uh, I really liked their music choice in this yeah. movie. I thought it was really good. It's very soft and subtle and it's perfect throughout. Um, I also liked some of just the visual images, like the thought of walking down the middle of the road and no one's there. Like yeah. that's pretty terrifying. Right. <laughs> it, it shows how isolated and alone you are. Yeah, and this movie keeps coming up in articles about m movies that tackle pandemics, and that opening with him just walking through London is so famous mm -hmm. because it's such an eerie scene, and it's so rare to be able to see the streets like that. Yeah, and for me, I don't know if it was because of the other movie we just watched that we're doing an episode on, but every time he would the talk- The silence, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Every time he started talking, I was like, shh, stop it, shh, shh, like, be careful, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because these the the infected hear you most of the time. That's how they find you. But when he's in the house, it's the little candle that mm -hmm. they see. But yeah, I agreed. I was like, why are these people being so loud? Yeah. Shut up. So you get like really nervous <laughs> because, you know, you don't know what's going on still. And you're like, why? Stop. Just, just, just stop it. Stop yeah. it. I mean, you do know what's going on, but not like you haven't seen these creatures humanized just yet. So. Yeah. Or creatures humanized infected infected that's what i'm yeah. looking for yeah um oh i also liked how they kind of tricked us at the very beginning like the very very beginning they're showing like all this footage of like <laughs> um i i read in the trivia it was like sierra leone but um it's like just crazy riots and um it's just a cluster of really bad things happening and so you think that that's like what's already happening in the movie right and then you're like oh no they're just <laughs> studying a chimp connected right. to these videos i think what the film is trying to do is link these sort of lesser baser parts of humanity this rage and this violence with you know the just that that it's I think they're trying to make a statement about how shitty human beings can be. Yes. <laughs> if that makes sense. Definitely. It's terrifying, the things that we can do to each other. Yeah. Um, and, and we made the chimpanzees, and it seems like we made the virus. Yeah. And I was going to say, I mean, things that we do when we're infected and when we're not infected, just like everyday life. And once stuff happens, which I think is what the soldiers are trying to get at, but they view it as a little bit more hardened and through the eyes of war yeah like the the main guy the main soldier i can't remember his name Hen henry they refer to him as says nothing's really changed it's just people killing people and so there's this theme throughout that seems like and, and also what happens with jim how he really becomes this rage-filled person by mm -hmm. the end i think there's really cool stuff going on here with with theme that the movie is trying to show us that this rage virus almost just kind of unlocks like this latent 
violence mm-hmm. that is inside everybody. Mm-hmm. And I love that about the movie that mm-hmm. it's in in that way it's making a statement about humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you're a monk, we all have some rage in us. Yeah, right? And monks spend a long time not having rage. Well, if you're not if you're not cheering for Jim when he's gouging yeah. that guy's eyes out, you might be a robot. Yeah. Like you just you just want him to squish that guy. Just yeah. squish him. Yeah. Like, agreed. <laughs> it's fucked up, but you know, it's he this post apocalyptic. Yeah, he had it coming. He fully he just deserved it. Yeah. Squish that guy. Yeah. Um, but that also reminded me I had two other points. And one was I do like that they addressed, I think as a woman. A lot of times when you think about the world ending, one of the things that scares you, because you hear about it all the time, like armies taking Mm -hmm. over other countries and all this stuff, uh, like the massive rape and Mm -hmm. like all of that. And then also, as a woman, you're the one who buries children. And if you're repopulating the world, they're going to be after you. So I think that that's like a terrifying thing as lady. And I I appreciate when movies actually address this because it's like they're being super realistic. Yeah. So. Yeah, like so much of this movie just speaks to those horrible aspects of humankind. Mm -hmm. It does it so well. I think that's one of the things that makes this movie feel so close to my heart because I go, you know, I can get pretty cynical, but I think that there's also a message of hope here. Yeah. And it's a, that message I think is equally powerful. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's still lots of good guys, lots of people who want to, who think of women equally, who want to take, you know, not take care of them. That's the wrong word, but like look after each other is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. The character of Feral, uh, who is the guy who kind of tries to stop the other soldiers. He's the sergeant. Yeah. If he wasn't there, I think that whole ending would have felt a lot cheaper. Yeah, it would have been a character again. Yeah. Like, yeah, they would have been like these cartoony bad guy soldiers. Yeah, because I don't want to say I think every guy is going to turn into like a mass race racist. Rapist. That's also a thing. It is a thing. A rapist, like if the world ended, I wouldn't think that, but I would be leery of strangers I didn't know. I'll yeah. Say that. Yeah. I also think that it's so well acted and those soldiers do such a good job that you can tell, like, just looking at some of them that they're like, what the fuck are we doing? Mm -hmm. Like, you can just see it in their body language, but they're still letting horrible things happen and they wouldn't step up. And that feral guy is the only one who would and it gets him killed. Yeah. And time and time again, that actually happens in real life. Right. Exactly. People just kind of go with the flow and... Terrible yeah. things happen. Yeah. So in some ways, this movie is kind of depressing. Like, I'm kind of <laughs> oh, depressed now. It is horribly depressing. But again, message of hope at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Because as long as like, it, it is just like uh, what Selena says. She says, you know, look at look at Hannah and her dad. She's like, all the, she says all the shit. It doesn't matter to them because they have each other. Right. And so, you know, that's a that's a positive message in all this Corona stuff is find the people that matter to you and Take care of each other. Right. And be kind. Be kind. That's just, such a platitude. Just, I hate when people please, say be kind, but it's true. Just it's be true. kind. Like, be kind. <laughs> Remember that your neighbor also needs toilet paper. Right. You don't need to buy 12. Yeah. Like, just get the one. Yeah. That's we, what, like, we have to share resources. Like, I feel yeah. like that's hard in general for people to comprehend yeah. because, you know, the environment is what it is. But let's share. Be the- kind. Let's go back to kindergarten. <laughs> These types of movies, I think, 
they're cautionary tales in that sense where it's yeah. like if if the chips are down and things go to shit if everybody acts like selena does at the beginning of the movie then they would act more like the soldiers at the end mm -hmm. but i think that's why her and jim they're mindsets sort of have to come to the middle a little bit more right and that's where you find that happy medium of yeah you have to take care of each other and yourself but without being just heartless because we do see that selena it's really just a defense mechanism because mm -hmm. things are so horrible in this mm -hmm. world mm -hmm. yeah well the other thing that i really liked about this movie is the thought of like are we completely dissolute? Like, has the rest of the world um, quarantined us? Right. Or is it spread to the rest of the world? Because in both scenarios, it's terrifying. Yeah. I do think that there's, not to be depressing again, but the movie is heavily about quarantine in that way. And we're dealing with these weird quarantine situations with the coronavirus right now but mm -hmm. hey things are not that bad when you look at uh yeah. what's happening in this movie versus if you're being told to stay home right you know things can definitely be hard but right you know your your loved ones are not trying to eat you it's true and that's good that is that's is very good or kill you because some yeah. of them don't eat you they just kill you yeah i guess they're definitely not trying to eat people in this movie but it's just the rage that they're yeah we see a couple people just get killed yeah. Killed outright. Yeah. But I, I like how they did that because, um, like, what, our current situation aside, like, that thought is terrifying because I think people often forget in our world, because everything's digital, but England is an island. It's yeah. by itself. <laughs> like, it's true. Yeah. If they wanted to quarantine that down, that's on lockdown. <laughs> yeah. One of my questions about the realism aspect of this movie is wouldn't the military guys in this movie be able to communicate with another country wouldn't they have radio like shortwave radios See, that are long enough distance that they could talk to someone in france yeah so i think that that's possible um, i think that's why when um that sergeant when he's also tied to the heater and is talking about how they've been quarantined you're like oh shit he probably knows more than anyone right. what's actually happening yeah and then you're like yeah, the world gave up on us. Like, that's terrifying. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you can't spread the infection. Yeah. Well, in this this particular infection, too, it's not like a realistic disease where there's an incubation no. period. No, this no, no. This is like you have, what does she say, 10 15, to 15? 15, 15, 15 to 20 yeah. seconds. 15 to 20 seconds, or they are turned. And there's really no disease that is quite like that. No. So, but I think that, in that way, the, I, I appreciate this movie because they're right. There is no way for this disease to get out of this country because yeah. I'm sorry if like an infected person got on a plane, you would know mm -hmm. before the plane mm -hmm. took off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's just, yeah. Yeah. Or if they're on a ship or something, they would sink that ship long yeah. before it reached any shore. Yeah. They would like crash the plane. Like the rage. Yeah. It's it's not. Yeah. yeah. It's, so... it's easy to spot. Let's say right. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um can we also talk about the style of this movie like the the visual aspects of the cinematography this movie i love this movie i think it holds up i think there's a timeless quality of the movie and the way it's shot however this movie is very ugly <laughs> like i just look at me and laugh like you're you're just laughing well because we were talking about yeah this it's a, a director's bit. choice yeah and i think it's a good choice because 
it does kind of show like through a survivor's eyes. Yeah. Because like, it feels like you're there. Yeah, it feels like you're there because shit's real, shit's scary. But then there's also still like this beautiful, I mean, we're in England for fuck's sake. Like yeah. there's like beautiful greenery and like buildings and yeah. yeah. And when I say it's ugly, I mean kind of in the traditional sense, like the, the film doesn't look crisp. You know, the, the images are intentionally splotchy. There's weird trails at certain points. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that I was like, maybe it's just my shitty TV. But now I own the Blu-ray and the trails are still there. And I think it's... The director said he chose the certain camera, film, whatever, for a reason. Yeah. Danny Boyle did this on purpose. Uh, yeah. Danny Boyle, very talented filmmaker, obviously. But I think all those choices come together in a good way. I think this time watching it, I went, you know what? I think I still appreciate about how ugly this movie is, is that so (laughs) Carrie and I went to uh, an art museum in Syracuse a couple weeks back and we were talking about style of art that we like. And I realized as we're walking around, I was like, you know, I think I really like the Impressionists. I've never really come to that conclusion before, but I like the Impressionist style where things are just kind of smudgy because I like messiness. I like like watercolors, too, in that in that way. And I think I, was, I don't know how to help you with this. Sorry. Well, I was waiting for you to chime in, but <laughs> I don't really know what you'd call my style other than collage mixed media. Um, it's like abstract. Yeah, I like abstract, bright colors, like patterns, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so very modern. Yeah. But I think that this movie is shot in a very impressionistic way. The way that the images are not crisp, they sort of bleed into each other. The color is very smudgy. And there's actually you see it, Carrie, when they're driving through, there's actually a scene. It's a real quick shot where the the flowers in the field. I knew you were going to say that. Are impressionistic flowers. Yeah, they are. So. That shot always weirded me out in the past, but watching it this time and thinking about our trip to the museum, I was like, wait a minute, is Danny Boyle trying to tell us what he's doing with the cinematography here? I like think he's, he is. He's trying to be like, hey, it's Impressionism, guys. I think he is. Chill out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I picked up on that this time and I was like, oh, damn. That Danny Boyle. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. I think the one thing that I want to say is... I think people rag on this movie's ending because it feels almost random, like the first time you watch it. But I, I want to make a case for why this ending is a perfect ending. All right, I didn't really think it was random, but okay. Well, so there are some things with this where there was an alternate ending. Yeah, which would I read have been about terrible. that. Terrible. Yeah. yeah, the alternate ending was going to be that instead of Frank, the father, being killed. He is still alive, and then Jim somehow transfuses his blood, and it never got past the storyboarding phase, because I think uh, Alex Garland and Danny Boyle realized that it made no sense. Yeah. Um, If a drop of blood can infect you, how can, you know, you replace all your blood? It just didn't make sense. The other options were in the very end that when Jim gets shot, he is dead. Yeah, I saw Um, that. Yeah. Fans didn't like it, or the viewers, whatever they're called. I'm so glad, because... The the whole thing, right, is that, one, I just want the happy ending for all of them. I just want it. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that they got it. Mm-hmm. And two, to answer that dramatic question for Selena, 
you have to kind of show that, look, it's worth it to stick with people that you love. Right. And so we see at the end that that lesson is learned and that they're together. And the reason that the hello is a perfect image to end on is that we start with Jim. who's walking around London and what's he screaming? Hello. And so his fear. Yeah. You know, his outward fear is that he's going to be alone forever, right. I think. And so that ending is actually perfect because it's it's just hello. It's this neutral statement of yeah. greeting. Yeah. And so he's kind of greeting the world and saying, like, look, we're here. We're not alone. And now they yeah. aren't going to be alone. Yeah. And I think hello is also a way to show that you're human and you're not yes. infected. It's like, it's just an intelligent statement. It doesn't really say, like, we've been here for... 28 days we need help like yeah. that's that's what you'd think you'd you think it would be sos no but hello they don't actually need help at this point they're just no. saying hey what's up we're here yeah is there anyone else out there yeah so ground control I just think it's... Tom. <laughs> i just think it's a perfect ending yeah yeah i liked it yeah all right i think we can move on to the second part of this episode which is to talk about some of the questions that we got yeah, we got a couple of questions. We got some good ones, guys. So thank you again for everyone who did submit these. These are going to be tough because we're looking at them beforehand and we're like, oh boy, I don't know. Um, yeah, some of these are uh, are thinkers. Yeah. So this was submitted by several people, actually. So the first one that we can try to tackle is what are some of our favorite and least favorite horror tropes? It's a good question. Um. You like masked killers? Masked killers? Masked. masked. You like serial killers? I do like serial killers. Yeah? Yeah, I'm a fan of the serial killing. I mean, not personally. Like, please don't try to come kill me or anyone else. But yeah, I do like that trope. I'm glad that you clarified. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So one that is kind of like on the line for me, and that's what I was thinking of how to word it while I was sipping my water, is so I do like when witchcraft is in movies but simultaneously it is often done really wrong and really like offensive and like disrespectful just like off i i'm a sucker for like witchy things but then i can just as easily be like this blows and turn it off yeah like don't cheapen it yeah have have respect because there are people who uh are, are wiccan or consider themselves witches yeah so yeah just don't be disrespectful yeah so i that's like kind of my thing there and then the other one i really like i'm still like <laughs> i watched a really shitty movie the other week on hulu uh before quarantine and <laughs> i just i love i'm a sucker for any of those sorority fraternity oh, yeah. horror films so you do like those yeah they're they're fun for me yeah yeah this is tough i like a good monster I do you like love monsters. monsters. I like goopiness. Yeah. I like goopy horror movies yep. with a with a nice goopy monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's my answer for favorite tropes, but man, that can be done really poorly. So it's got to be a good monster and there's got to be good practical effects. That's not necessarily a tropey thing, but that's just do it well. Yeah. I also really appreciate just isolation. Mm, so yeah. I love those. I mean... Okay, I wrote a book that's basically alien monster on a spaceship. So I clearly love that premise. I love that trope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, alien is one of my favorite franchises and favorite movies. Mm-hmm. So that whole, what, what that's called in film 
or in screenwriting terms is kind of the monster in the house situation. Mm, yeah, yeah. So that's any kind of ghost story where it's this person is you dealing do with like those presence. monsters in the house movie. They do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Love that it. makes sense. Yeah. Yep. And then <laughs> my least some of my least favorite tropes. There's one that definitely stands out, which is anytime in a horror movie they try to do this thing with dramatic irony that is so overused. So dramatic irony, just a quick reminder, is when the audience knows something more that the character that than the character on screen. So the audience knows something the character doesn't know. It's when the character, side character, whatever, they're always a minor character, walks into the other room or the steamy <laughs> shower or the, the locker room and they go, come on, guys, quit messing around. Quit messing around. And of course, it's the killer or the monster or whatever. Which, yeah. I hate that whole thing where it's... We have a running joke about it. Yeah. yeah. Every time we see this situation where they're walking into the other room, they're like, where is everybody? Guys, quit screwing around. I think you even threaten to turn off movies if they say it. You're like, if they say it and then they do and you're like, ah. God damn it. Yeah. Because it's, it's so common and it's so, it doesn't add any tension. Like, I think it's more interesting for a character to be like, what the fuck is going on? Where is everybody? But mm -hmm. not like, guys, quit screwing around. <laughs> uh, but you see it all the time. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, so the next question mm -hmm. is, uh, what's... I don't know how to put that in question. What's a horror movie? A favorite favorite horror movie soundtrack. There basically. we go. All right. Yeah. Favorite horror movie soundtrack. Uh, that one comes from Ryan. Yeah. I know mine because we already said this. Um, it's the Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah. 2004 remake of Dawn of the yeah, Dead. That's great. And then as we were watching 28 Days Later, I was like, this is actually a really good soundtrack as well. Yep. Obviously for different reasons. Yeah. They're both zombie movies. Yeah. <laughs> As soon as you said the Dawn of the Dead remake, I was like, actually, that might be it. Yeah. I, can I say, too, about that? That was the movie that... I'm kind of embarrassed, but that was the movie that introduced me to People Who Died by... Oh, Jim Carroll. Yeah, the Jim Carroll experience or experiment or whatever that... Yeah, he's also his a band poet. And yeah. he did Basketball Diaries. So I have to go with Dawn of the Dead 2004. Yeah, that's a good one. It's so good. They have Richard Cheese in yeah. there. Johnny Cash. Uh, Johnny Cash, the actual disturbed down with the sickness. That's a <laughs> he sounds exactly like that. Just like a little just like a little dog. <laughs> That's it. Wow. Are, did you turn on down with the sickness? And what's happening? I did. <laughs> um, this one's really tough, also from Ryan. Favorite horror movie director. I don't really Oof. The only person I can think of that's like a director is Rob Zombie. <laughs> oh, sure. You do like Rob Zombie I movies. I do like Rob Zombie movies. They're a special place for me. Yeah. Just like What do you like about him and his style? Oh, the the um over the topness. Okay, no. So I love how like 70s they all are. Like yeah. they're like a shout out to the 70s. Yeah. I also like uh like how extreme like the gore is. Like it's so yeah. over the top. And then at times they're just kind of funny, even though they're not supposed to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I feel like Rob Zombie totally does little things. And sometimes the acting isn't great. Yeah. But his directing is fantastic. Yeah. I like that. So even though this person I'm about to name is. Oh, I'm wearing a Rob Zombie shirt right yeah, now. Yeah, that's actually. Yeah, you are. 
Uh, he looks like uh, kind of like Guar in the. Oh, that's thing, two of my favorite things. Yeah. So I think I would say, oh, shit. I, I'm going to change my answer last minute. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go with Cronenberg, the fly. Yeah. Yeah. I really. Uh, this That's is a, a great movie. This is a guy who knows goop. Yeah. He knows his Cronenberg. Goop. That's a David great Cronenberg. Movie. He knows his goop. I don't love all of his movies, but Eastern Promises, not a horror movie, but real good. Mm -hmm. uh, a History of Violence, also not a horror movie. Real good. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking how Rob Zombie's mu movies are kind of punk rock because they're so extreme. Okay, yes. sorry. I was going to say, I, I was actually going to say they're kind of like grungy yeah. almost. Every, everybody is grungy in those it. movies. So, but I do think that Cronenberg can be pretty hit or miss. My other answer, this is going to be real cliche, but I think not all of his movies again kind of hit or miss but john carpenter oh you yeah gotta john give the guy carpenter. credit yeah uh, this that's guy, like a no-brainer yeah, why didn't i like, think of too, that too cliche almost answer but i do think that the thing is one of my other all-time it's one of my favorite, favorite movies. Movies, that's in there too. with like top five maybe top yeah, two that's a good movie probably, i have it's probably top three i would say actually realistically so uh yeah but but his canon of movies uh, some of them, miss, yeah. yeah, some of them not so great, but I would say he was my first go-to, so maybe I should have just stuck with that, but mm -hmm. I love me some Cronenberg, too, mm -hmm. so yeah, that's tough, though. Good question. Next question, favorite horror creature slash villain, also from Ryan. I don't know. This is hard. I'm going to go with The Thing. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Because it can be anything. Shit, that's I, a really good I, one. I love that it can look like people, so it leads to this paranoia. So it can be this quiet, creeping horror, but then once it transforms, it becomes the goopy horror that I love. So can it's I, got two things that I can love. Can I just pick Elvira? <laughs> yeah, let's go she's with Elvira. She's not a creature villain, but I mean... <laughs> she's a horror character. She's a character. <laughs> what about the dudes in Scream? Because I know how you feel about Scream. I do love Scream. Because I was also thinking about Wes Craven, and I was like, oh, yeah. maybe I should have picked him. But yeah, I haven't. I'm gonna be honest. I haven't seen enough yeah. of Wes Craven's older movies Same. to really answer that. Yeah, and some of his newer movies. Eh, yeah. Okay, like Scream is fantastic. Yeah, we're gonna get to Scream yeah. again in a minute. He, um, he did do um Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, that's true. So no, I'm gonna pick. I have a soft spot for Michael. Michael Myers? Yeah. Yeah. He scared me when I was a child. Yeah. I think, okay, I think I answered my own question that's coming later. <laughs> okay. Nice. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Okay, uh, let's go to the next one. So this one is not so much about horror, but Catherine asked, uh, she wanted to know uh, more, more of our passions beyond horror, especially special things that we enjoy doing together. Well, we're both writers. Yes. Um, I write fiction. I usually write poetry, mm -hmm. but I also dabble in the nonfiction, mm -hmm. and I am considering writing some fiction. Considering. Shh. Don't tell anyone. Yeah, shh. <laughs> what else? I mean, I like to do a lot of crafts. Yeah. And like- Carrie loves crafting. I love crafting, and I like, I like drawing, even though I'm not that great at it. I don't know. Sometimes we- 
We'll walk together. We go on walks. We do like to go on walks. We like going on walks. Yeah. You guys might not think that's the most exciting thing, but just a good walk outside is yeah. so good. And then- We're going to go on a walk right after we get done recording this. Well, I think we're going to eat first. Well, yeah. I'm kind of hungry. Yeah, that's true. Um, we, we like to eat together. Yeah, we like to eat food <laughs> together. Um, we like to go hiking every now and then yeah. when yeah. it's nice Yeah, and we have the time. Yep. Um, Doing things is expensive. So- I also, I, I, the other day I literally asked Carrie, I was like, are you going to leave me? Cause I'm boring. Cause I don't like, I don't do a lot of things. Like, I just don't feel like I need to <laughs> like in, in terms of like, like vacationing or something like that. Like I'm mostly happy to just chill and we watch, we watch a lot of movies together. That's actually where this show idea came from. Yeah. And I'm actually a hundred percent cool with that. I'm a hardcore introvert. Um, it's part of why I wanted to do this show to make myself talk more. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I like staying home. I do like going on vacation, though. We oh, should yeah. try to do more vacations. It's just so expensive. So I agree, though, that yeah. our our work situations haven't lined up in a way that yeah. would be possible for a lot of that. But but anyway, uh, yeah. We're not that exciting people. We're not. But, but I think, man, just staying in and watching movies and binging on just various things or even literally just like reading. Yeah. We, just reading Sometimes together. Sometimes we just read yeah. together. We're real old people. Yeah, pretty much. We are in our 70s. Yeah. So... That's what my birth certificate says. Yeah, so that's especially why we're scared of the coronavirus. <laughs> Sorry, did, did, I, did I take it one step too far? No, I was just <laughs> thinking about how we're older than our parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're our parents' parents. That's right. So another question here oh, from... sometimes we also do paint night. Yes, we That's do fun. like to do arty things like okay. that too, and uh, going to museums, art yeah. museums, yeah. stuff like that. We like we're just weirdo, bored, weirdo people, yeah. arty yeah. people, right? Hipsters. <laughs> uh, this one from Mike. I would personally be interested in what you and Carrie consider to be tells throughout a horror movie to let you know it's a good movie versus a bad one, or is it based more on gut feeling by the end? Are there tropes you see and immediately go, ah, damn it, here we go again. I think we touched on that a little bit. Or any you can't, just can't get enough of. So again, kind of that tropey question, which I think we we sort of answered already. But I Carrie, think... how do you know? How do you know early on if a, if a horror movie is going to be good or bad for you? I think it comes down to being a writer. <laughs> yeah. But so you break it down. Like what to you as a writer, what are you looking for? Dialogue is a big one. Yeah. Um, the dialogue's awful. I can't watch it. It's another one. Just like, I feel like for me, like, like you said, with dialogue, any time when you can feel that the writer is forcing the plot yeah. and it's not coming from a natural place. Yeah. That's just a story thing in general. Yeah. But I think that applies to horror too. I think he kind of, it's interesting that he says tells and another one is like the show versus tell. That's like a big yeah. thing you hear in writing school. Um yeah. Again, show us, don't tell us. Yeah. The thing that, Sometimes that supposed to see. You can tell, and you can get away with it. Yeah. But just turning to Ben and being like, "There's a monster right here." Like that's not <laughs> that's not good. Right. Here's a good example. We're going to be talking in our next episode about the silence. Mm -hmm. That is a masterclass in what not to do with yeah, a horror. Yeah. There movie. we go. So they, for example. One of the things that we'll talk about in that episode, because we already recorded it, yep. sometimes we do these out of order, but in that movie, 
they see kind of this carnage on TV and they make this rash decision to just leave. Mm -hmm. And it feels to me like that's a moment where I didn't believe the characters' decisions to Mm -hmm. put themselves in harm's way and leave their house and do something so dangerous because they saw something on the news. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't, that felt like they were, the the screenwriter was trying to tell us Mm -hmm. that this world is dangerous, but we didn't Mm -hmm. get to see it firsthand. So it was kind of like, what the fuck are they thinking leaving the house? And like, this is crazy. Right. And I think you just nailed two other things for me that work in any story, but especially horror. It is um, the characters and especially character choices. Like, are they believable? And then big thing for me is always setting. What about the setting? What are you looking for? I mean, it it depends on the type of movie it is. Yeah. Unfortunately, like setting's a big, broad term. But um, I, if you haven't noticed, I pick up on little details a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so I need a good setting, good, tight, clean. Like it needs to be realistic. It needs to, I don't know. It's It's too broad for me to talk about in a few minutes. Yeah. Let's go to Marty's. I want to do two for Marty. The first one is all-time favorite slash least favorite horror movie and why. Well, a lot of people ask what our favorite yep. horror movie so, was. So, yeah, um, that that did come from a lot of people. I'm just looking at Marty's got got that under his name. So, Carrie, uh, what's your favorite all-time horror movie? So I thought about this real hard, and I actually decided on Scream mm-hmm. because it's funny. Um, like, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's one from my childhood. It's hardcore 90s. It holds up. It's just it's just all around good fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that ending is still one of my favorite endings. It's such a good movie. Yeah. You dick. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me with the phone, dick. <laughs> oh, Matthew Lillard. <laughs> we saw them. Yeah, we did. We saw them. We live. saw them with our own eyes. Yeah. And I got it was a, a picture. Ho- yeah, it was a horror them. conference. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to say 28 days later. Yeah. Not just because we just talked about it, but... It is genuinely his favorite movie. Yeah. Uh, there, I mean, there are other ones that I love, but this movie hits all the right notes for mm-hmm. me. It's mm-hmm. it's brutal. It's actually funny at times. And mm-hmm. I, I have to... I, I love a horror movie that has some sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if they're that's just a, That goes serious, back to what Mike was asking. Yeah. Yeah. If they're, if they're too serious, yeah. I think sometimes it just... It feels like a grind and yeah. you're just like not having fun watching it. Right. So uh, on top of that, stylistically, there's just a lot going on with this movie. It's got a lot of things that it's saying, a lot of questions that it's provoking. And story-wise, it is actually a very tightly plotted movie. Mm-hmm. Everything lines up in a way that pays off. And uh, But even though I had mentioned that this movie is also kind of ugly in spots there's some really beautiful shots one of my favorites is when selena and mark and jim are in that little kiosk store and mark is giving his monologue i love that monologue by the way but you get a profile shot of selena and she's just got like on her scarf and she's just staring straight ahead and it looks like if you just printed that out and put it on a canvas that's just a beautiful portrait. Uh, you know what I'm talking Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, I was just thinking about how me saying I'm an introvert is so true because I said like a sentence and you're still going on your favorite movie. Yeah, I can talk a lot. 
<laughs> well, we're also not. I mean, yeah, I, I can talk about things like this, but I'm bad at small talk. So if you we were like, how was your day? I'd be like, it's fine. I don't know. What do you want? <laughs> um, I want to go to another one that Marty had. Because I, I want to hear some of the... I, I think people should hear some of Carrie's responses. Oh, no. Some scary things that happened to you in real life and how you reacted. And then in parenthetical, did you react like a movie character would? All right, y'all. <laughs> Let's do this. Okay. So some scary things that have happened to me. Okay. Well, one time I went down a mountain in my Jeep. That was pretty fucking scary. I literally thought I was going to die. Um, I screamed. And I think a movie character would also scream if they're going down a mountain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I actually felt like I was in a horror movie because I had to literally crawl up a mountainside and like drag myself up like straight horror movie out of the grave shit, like digging my nails into whatever I could to get out of the mountain. Did did the Jeep roll? No. Okay. So you kind of, you hit, you hit kind of like the mountainside, like a really steep embankment. So you you, yeah, you went I, up on the embankment. No, I didn't even go up. I thought you hit this. The, I, you hit the wall or something. I right? Okay, so in Virginia we don't have like guardrails. Yeah. Because what's the point? So um, and I was going the speed limit. I went off the road just a smidge because I adjusted my AC, and then I couldn't get back on fast enough because I was going around a curve. So I got sucked into the curve. Hit the side of the mountain, bounced. You didn't get pulled off the embankment at that point. You no. hit the. Let's I, dissect this. Uh, yeah. Are you okay talking about this? Actually, <laughs> sure. I know it was traumatic. Like, sure. I know it was. So, um, I went off just a little, and then I was about to like get back on because I didn't want to like over jerk. Yeah. But because it was a curve, I don't know how to describe it other than being sucked, like a yeah, suction. It, it will. Yeah. Sucked me in. Yeah. I took out a road arrow sign. Yeah. And then I hit the side of the mountain. And I remember screaming fuck at that point. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, it's fine. Like, I'll be okay. Like, I can just still go home because it's only like five, ten minutes from my dad's house. And then, oh, no, I was in that suction in the curve. So I got swooped out of the curve all the way to the other side and just went ejected down a mountain. Yeah. Did you did it? Did you go f- like nose first? Yeah, like mountain? nose first. It's crazy. So I could see all the trees coming at me. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. So I thought I was dead. Yeah. So I, I think I did act like a someone in a horror movie would. Um, yeah. I tried to gather my my what I could. I remember I had to dig for my phone because it flew around. Yeah. <laughs> and I also was scared. I don't know if this is a normal fear, but I was scared my engine was going to blow up. <laughs> Because I could smell sure. gas, and I was yeah. like, "Shit!" No, that's so legit. Yeah. I was trying to get out as fast as I could, and yeah. then I literally just was standing on the mountain by the road. And you were afraid of bears? I no, I was so jacked up at that point. I was afraid of bears. I was like, "Watch a fucking bear come out at right. this point." Then I was also so jacked up. I was like, "Bring it, bitch! Bring it! <laughs> I'm ready!" <laughs> and then this like older ladies also stopped and waited for me because they were also freaking out about the bears. Yeah. Bears are no joke where I'm from. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's a scary thing. And I do think I, I handled it like uh Yeah. It it was pitch black. But you handled it well, not like a like a dumb horror movie no. character. No. But yeah, if this were a horror movie, you would have been picked up by like a creepy dude who would have been like yeah. trying to get somewhere, little lady. Yeah. And that's the how the start of the movie would have been. Right, gone. exactly. So Or I would have got hit by a car. Right. Because it was so dark and they wouldn't have seen me. But right. I made 
sure to step off the road when yeah. they were coming around. He called the cops. Yeah. And he got there in like five minutes. Yeah. He, he, he literally sped across the county to get to me. Yeah. I know where he was coming from. So I was also hoping that you would be able to tell us a little bit about your oh, supernatural that's where I was, that's experiences. That's I was going next. Yeah. And that's why I said y'all. Yep. All right, y'all. <laughs> All right. So I already know a bunch of you don't believe in ghosts and that's fine. Whatever. Ben is in that situation most of the time. I want to more fully expand on my beliefs about ghosts, but go ahead, please. I, I feel like we don't have time in this, this episode. <laughs> we have time. Eh, anyway. I have, a, I have a short way to summarize it. I'll, I'll just do it now. Are you ready? Yeah. I am agnostic towards the supernatural. There we go. That's so a that's good, it. That's a good it's, answer. It's like I, I like more evidence, um, but I've seen and experienced some weird things. I don't have answers to. Yeah. So okay. I'm agnostic towards the supernatural. That's a good answer. Um, So I've experienced a lot of creepy ghost situations. Some of them not creepy, but most of them were creepy. I was just going to tell them the one about Rhiannon and me. So we used to um, drive this little back road and go to the dam. Mm-hmm. Um, and just hang out. And um, I don't remember if we smoked or not. I don't know. Like cigarettes. I'm sorry. Mm. But like, eh, we would hang out yeah, at the dam. sure. Cigarettes. <laughs> Smoking that wacky tobacco. <laughs> I plead the fifth. So we would do this a lot. And then one, it, it was always creepy going through there. Like you could just feel something like there. It was every time we went. And then... One time we were coming back, and this was back in the day where um, a lot of cars still had tape decks, so we would have to hook up that weird tape deck thing, and then it would hook up to your iPod and whatever. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't remember if we had a tape in. I think it was. It was either a tape or a radio. I'll have to ask and I don't know. But we were driving, and I asked a question. I was like, if about ghosts, and I was like, because we were talking about them, and I asked, I was like, if you if they could say something to us, what do you think they would say? And the fucking tape or CD or whatever it was started playing backwards. And we both started normal. screaming. <laughs> and our next response was to call our other friend, Corey. Yeah. <laughs> that's some weird timing. I mean, that's one that, again, I'm agnostic. So if you had just said we were driving and the tape started playing backwards, but it's the timing of what happened it's the timing and then when i went home and told my mom that story she was like well you do know one of your cousins uh drowned hit his head and broke his neck and drowned at that at the dam damn yeah and i was like oh fuck. and i think we started <laughs> screaming again and then we went yeah. and got pizza because yeah well we are convinced that uh our old apartment in minnesota had a presence in it, it Gary, definitely did Gary saw some stuff there and he was scary as fuck uh, what did you see? Can you tell the It's people? hard to describe. It was like a face. It was a face. Yeah. It was a scary, angry face. Yeah. See, so again, agnostic, but I have had moments where you just get that creepy feeling like you're being watched or you're being followed or oh, whatever. Oh, you know when they're there. And I felt that a bunch at that apartment and there was that one particular night and we were in the downstairs. It was a uh, kind of a split level, like downstairs there was a garage and then there was one bedroom and then you went up the stairs and there was the living room and our uh, master bedroom so we were downstairs in the kind of guest bedroom area and we were just like feel really weird right now like you just don't feel safe all of a sudden it just Mm -hmm. felt really harsh and strange and again agnostic but i'm not an idiot so if i feel (laughs) that way i'm gonna be like okay i'm gonna trust my instincts and just get somewhere so we kind of just like and then going up the stairs just felt like there was something directly behind us 
uh, it was just real creepy. And I caught when we got into the master bedroom and I kind of cracked the door because I didn't want to leave the cats out. So I was like, let's just leave the door slightly open. It's going to be fine. But I looked up and I just saw this weird... I don't I can't describe what I saw because it was more like a color than yeah than a, a shape or anything. it was just like on the other side of the door I just saw something and I was like yeah uh. and then I went <laughs> out cool. to close the door and that's when I saw a very angry face yeah so I think that uh, in that sense I mean we eventually moved yeah we were basically like, let's get the fuck out of here but I actually did contact the I knew the person who lived there before us so I was like did you ever experience anything and they basically just laughed because yeah. they're like what are you talking about ghosts what lol and I was like he's, he's a Mormon okay <laughs> he's a Mormon <laughs> I don't know if Mormons believe in ghosts <laughs> I don't know either but uh yeah um but we did move, so that's smart. But I understand why in those, in those movies when you're like, just get out of the fucking place. You know there's yeah. something weird there. Just leave. It's hard to just pick up and, and yeah, move, it I'll is. say. It is. I get that. It is. And I've experienced a lot of creepy shit. So. Yeah. A lot of ghosts. Oh, he also said, why are you afraid of the dark? I'm, I, I'm not. I'm afraid of the dark when I watch too much true crime <laughs> and ghosts. I used to be real afraid of the dark. I, 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 I'm not. But... Uh, do you want the real what I think the real psychological answer is? It's because you can't see what's there. Yeah. So well, duh. the that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So the answer is it's because we're afraid of the unknown. Yeah. Um. So if well, you're for me, it's true crime. Yeah. It's people hiding. You're gonna stab you, stab me. Right. And ghosts. It's like you don't know. Is there someone there? Is there not? And you get that question, and then you're like, uh. Yeah. So you just want the lights on. Yeah. And I also think it's instinctual because you know we come from the woods where you could just get eaten by a tiger and oh. so <laughs> i i hadn't come from the land down under <laughs> <laughs> so we all come from the land down under and uh you gotta be careful about yeah. what's what's lurking in the dark uh let's go to ghost tom yeah. was a guest so let's go to ghost tom's question and then i question. think we're gonna probably have time for like two maybe three more yeah so where do you think the horror genre could go to tread new ground? I think that is a fantastic question. I think that they could explore a lot more of our new found like horror, like um, like pandemics, yeah, like things that are more modern technology. Smartphones, evil I was, smartphones. I was thinking I smart really, house from back in the day when Disney did that. I ahead of its time. That's a trope that I just I don't care about. Yeah, I don't care about that, but I mean like creative ways. Yeah, but we're going to talk about the new child's play this that's season. That's true. See, creative voice. And then for me, I think that there still could be a lot more done for feminism. Oh, sure. And horror. Yeah. So I was going to say, I think my answer would be to continue to explore the horror stories written oh, about yeah. or by like racism, marginalized voices. Yes, racism. So yeah. voices that you may not typically hear about or hear from or uh, that sort of thing like so you think about uh get out mm -hmm. and how that movie just really tapped into something and felt so new it's just a voice that in a story that we hadn't seen before because it was not about white people yeah <laughs> and so i think continuing to explore those sort of you know lesser heard voices i think is a really good way to go and to just constantly be trying to reinvent it's not always gonna work but i think studios 
being able to take chances. That's the good thing about horror is that it tends to be low budget or or like mid budget. It's they're very rarely real high budget. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of innovation. So I think as long as people out there who are writing movies, directing movies, and watching movies and want to get into horror, I think just constantly asking themselves, is this doing something that hasn't been done a million billion times? Correct. As I said, I actually wrote a book about an alien monster on a spaceship. It's been done before. And I think it's okay to take something on that is not brand new, but it's new through the eyes of the person who is writing it. So you have to bring your unique take on that and not Mm -hmm. be afraid to do something different Mm -hmm. and do something that not everyone's going to love. And being able to kind of, if you're taking on a premise like that, or horror is very tropey. So if you're taking on a trope, do something unique with the trope. Turn it on its head. Exactly. So I think as long as people are looking for ways to do that, I think we'll we'll innovate and we'll continue to innovate. Correct. And also, yeah, as Carrie said, for people watching these movies, support those fucking movies. Yeah. Go buy them. Don't pirate them. Go to the movies if you can once the uh, quarantine is over for <laughs> coronavirus. But if it's not, I mean, actually rent them from any streaming services or buy them because that's how more are going to get made and produced exactly just showing monetarily that 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 there's a there's money to be made yeah i was gonna say we could answer some of these super fast yep like found footage yes or no that's from ian and we both agree yes yes found footage horror move novel into a movie best adaptation the thing and i said the shining even though we know stephen king doesn't approve Right. Um, uh, oh, a, a, a one we got from multiple people. First horror movie you remember seeing? I still can't remember my official first one I remember seeing. I thought you were going to say Halloween. Halloween is up there, but I don't think it's the first. Everything I see, I'm like, yeah, I saw that pretty young, but it wasn't the first. I don't know no. what the first is. I probably, think... I mean, Halloween's probably up there. Yeah. Mine would be <laughs> Ernest Scared Stupid. Yep. That's a scary one. It's a horror movie. When I'm you're sorry. a child, when it's you're scary. a kid, that movie is so crazy. I feel like that's probably mine too because I remember getting all those Ernest tapes from. I think my the, parents the blockbuster. So we had it on tape. We yeah. we recorded it. We we would do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we speaking of pirating things, yeah. we would when with the VCR. Remember VCRs, people. Yeah. Uh, and but, that and probably oh shit, what was this like the Good Son? That's like oh oh yeah with Mac and uh, Elijah Wood. I remember that one? Yeah, yeah. I think those are like yeah. Uh, so Ernest Scared Stupid, but as a kids movie, it's you're like, well, is it really a horror movie? I it was would, terrifying. I would say yes. It was terrifying as a child. Yeah. There's a moment where the kid turns over and the troll is in bed with him. Yeah. And that shit traumatized me like it's supposed to be like this is like oh it's just a troll it's fine no that was fucking terrifying as a kid another thing in your bed what is that right and it's so gross and Mm -hmm. goopy that's maybe that's where you know i I got Mm -hmm. my love slash hate for goopiness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but then i would also say that alien 3 was the movie that it was like an adult horror movie that that's that's probably the first one that i really remember yeah seeing i also have remember seeing it and being terrified oh, yeah. because we we went to what we called going downtown i.e going to the dump yeah. and um this is, we're getting real rural y'all and um one of the little farms they had like ponies i think 
and they had like these weird cutouts and I remember they had a clown and it scared the shit out of me because I just saw it for the first time, which already scared me. And then they had the clown on their stupid fence and I was like, I hate you. Yeah. This is from Ariana, who uh, Ariana Switchblade. She was also a guest. (laughs) What do you think is the most psychologically scary horror film? God. I have no idea off the top of my head. You know the one that actually scared me back in the day, psychologically? Hmm. Uh, Suicide Club, which you still haven't seen. I've never seen it. it. So I was like in high school, and it's Japanese, I believe. And yeah, everyone just starts killing themselves. Yeah. I would say I think the most recent one that I wouldn't say psychologically it's scary after you've seen it the first time. But I think psychologically scarring would be hereditary. Yeah, that's a good one. That's and, a oh, recent one. What about Antichrist? I love Antichrist. I do too. It's a good movie. I don't think that movie's scary. Yeah, I don't either. But I love that movie. Yeah. Oh, I should have put that up. That's in my one of my top fives. I should yeah, have mentioned it sooner. Movie. I love Antichrist. Uh, I would also like to shout out, it's, it's a cliche, but it's it's a cliche for a reason, The Exorcist. I can't. I still never finished it. Okay. I always get to those. Well, there it is. There's the answer. <laughs> I always get to the last five minutes and I can't. I can't finish it. That's the part where the demon dies. That's like you gotta I can't finish you gotta, it. You gotta watch the last five minutes. Yeah. Okay. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> Shit. That's the. Yep. <laughs> and when I worked at the Halloween costume place, I like anytime the exorcist stuff would come in, I would like not even look at it. I was like, I can't look at it. Uh, so yeah, that movie scared the shit out of me. I was raised Catholic. I am not Catholic today, but I was raised Catholic. And I think demons in general as a kid and growing up and, and when I did have more religious beliefs. I was raised very religious. Scared the shit out of me. Demons, raised... would, demons were the soft spot for me. See, I was raised as a strong Baptist. Very, very religious. So the thought of being possessed was terrifying. Yes. I didn't even know that was a thing until I watched that movie. Yep. You can thank also, the Catholics. I also watched that very young. So <laughs> you can thank the Catholics for that. Um, yeah. I almost did a hard F for you guys. <laughs> I think let's do one from Sam and then I want to save Josh's for last. Okay. Okay. So Sam asked guilty pleasure horror movies and or novels. I already said this. Sorority and fraternity ones. You didn't say that was a guilty pleasure. It is a guilty pleasure because I know they're going to be awful and I still watch them. I would say... Oh, an American Horror Story. That's a guilty pleasure for me. Yeah. I was thinking about this. I think the new like remake of the Fright Night movie, Fright Night. Oh, that was... Yeah, that's a good one. I love that movie, but I think that it's a guilty pleasure because for some reason, people hate that movie. No, it's such a good movie. It's so fun. Yeah. It's just fun. I think in general, we've talked about this, uh, I... Guilty pleasure horror movies are those PG-13, early 2000s, (laughs) real shitty, like uh, the, the movie, I think it's just called Boogeyman. I haven't seen that in years, but I remember really liking it but knowing that it wasn't particularly good yeah uh what did we watch recently the bye-bye man it's so dumb yeah it's not a good movie and it would be fun to do on this show to just trash completely but also i find it just entertaining and fun and a way to pass an hour and a half or they're usually like an hour and 20 minutes yeah another another one that i like 
are those like 80s schlocky 80s oh, yeah. like i wouldn't even call those guilty pleasure because i'm like i am proud to yeah. like these schlocky 80s movies yeah so yeah yeah those as well yeah and then i think like elvira oh yeah sure uh dude this question is going to be our last question so this one comes from you may remember him from our second episode about velvet <laughs> buzzsaw this comes from josh gideon okay i'm gonna read it in its entirety Yes. So why do horror movies make me scared? I don't like it. It's mean. If horror was my friend and it scared me all the time, we wouldn't be friends anymore. Should I talk to horror movies and tell them I don't like it when they make me feel that way and try to make this work? Or should I sever ties with this toxic relationship? Thanks. Asking for a friend. Well, Josh, I think you bring up some really good points. So let's get into this. Carrie, I'm going to let you take it. What What is your first reaction upon hearing this question? So my first is thinking about it psychologically. So I'm going to be like, maybe you need to address some of the things that scare you and ask yourself why you're being scared all the time. That is a fantastic point. Maybe horror is just trying to make you come to terms with some stuff you've buried deep inside and you haven't wanted to deal with. Oh, boy. That's going to be, you know, tell your friend, Josh, that that may be something that's hard to hear. However, I think that's a great point. Yeah. That horror is oftentimes about looking at something that may on its surface be hard to look at. However, once you look closely and that that horrific thing is no longer so foreign and so unfamiliar, it can actually be a lot less scary mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you could potentially benefit from it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I mean, if you feel the relationship is that toxic, though. You got to do what's right for you, man. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is you, you in your question for your friend, Josh, in your question, yep. you say, should I sever ties with this toxic relationship? So I feel that you, you already do feel, I mean, <laughs> your friend Feels. already does feel <laughs> that this is toxic, that there, this is not a healthy relationship. And I think that that's probably something that you should pay attention to. Listen to that gut instinct. Right. Yeah. Unless it's telling you to avoid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I so I do hear this often though. Um, so th this question of you know why do I like horror? Why do people like horror? You know when they hear about the podcast or they're they're just like oh you write horror? Why? What is mm -hmm. it about it? And I think we've kind of touched on this. Try being a lady and saying it as well. Right. I I don't know that I have a perfect answer, but again, I just think that horror is not actually always about scaring people. There, no. There, there's sort of a misconception out there that every horror movie is trying to do the same thing. It's like any genre. Like, you can have subgenres within it. The more mainstream horror that people are familiar with does tend to be those jump scare type movies. There's the ghost in the house and all that. And they're, they're trying to make you scared at night. Mm-hmm. But that's not every horror movie. And those types of movies are more like roller coasters where you get on the ride. You know, it's going to be scary, but you know, at the end, you're going to be able to get off. Yeah. And I think that that's OK. Um, but then there are these other types of horror movies that are maybe they're slower burn. Maybe they're more like 28 Days Later, where it's trying to do something psychologically. It's trying to provoke. It's trying to ask questions. It's trying to ask you things about society mm -hmm. and about yourself. Yeah. And I love that. And I think it's a really flexible yeah. genre. Yeah. There's, Definitely. Ro there's room for everybody. And 
It's also a place for outsiders. It's a place for outside ideas to yeah. work into the mainstream. Yeah. Think about what happened with Get Out. Yeah. That that is a horror movie, but the, the things that it is saying, I think that horror has gotten a bad rap mm -hmm. for so many years and so many different reasons. Mm -hmm. But just like any type of movie, I think it's really hilarious to me that people are shocked that horror movies can be deep because they've never taken the time to explore the genre beyond mm -hmm. what they see in theaters. Oh, I know exactly why I don't like The Exorcist. It's terrified of the thought that something else can control you and you have no, like... You, you have no control over yourself. I had the word and I lost it. Yeah. It's a thing. A agency? Yeah, it's a thing. So, like, yeah. I know exactly why that movie scares me. Yeah. So, yeah, I I, I would just encourage you to think outside the box a little bit no, of, of tell what... tell your friend. Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry. Tell your friend that their, their, their feelings are 100% legitimate. However, I would encourage anybody out there who doesn't feel like they understand why people are drawn to horror to think outside the box a little bit and and give it a chance because there's a good chance that it's not what they expect and if you still don't like it after that chance then that's fine that's fine yeah no nope. it's, not, it's not for everybody yeah yep uh just like i don't like disney movies okay so <laughs> uh carrie doesn't really either so yeah, i don't I shouldn't say i we i think we both we have yeah. no interest in disney plus yeah all right, so that's about it for the last year's Horror Pandemic Palooza special. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe and share the show with your horror-loving friends. And be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for news and announcements. Okay, thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Okay, bye. 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 Bye.